This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. Justification is only meaningful uh, the, the word is only meaningful against a background of law. Law and justice, uh, law and righteousness belong together. Uh, and the question of justification is um, really how to be on the right side of the law and how does this happen? And of course, the, 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 the quarrel, if you like, or the, the, the options that you have, and the, the way in which this is worked out. If you are under the law, if the law is dom dominates your life, then justification can only come by keeping the law, and, and therefore it is justification by works. And this is essentially uh, the way uh, the state, uh, the, 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 the physical human state, operates. Um, you know, uh, the light is red so you don't cross the road. Um, you are justified uh, because uh, you, you, you work, you keep the law. You know, that's what the law says and that's what you do. Um, and, and so you keep the law. Um, there's a sign which says by the parking space, uh, $1.50 an hour for parking here. Uh, and so you go and put the $1.50 in the meter or in the pay station. Although I feel very righteous about all of this, the actual truth of the matter is I very seldom pay for parking because either I find some place where you don't have to pay or and, and walk a couple of blocks because I don't want to pay. Uh, either that uh, or more frequently I say to myself, well, I'm only here for five minutes. I'll take the risk. Now, I say this because this is the kind of mentality that develops, you see, when, you, when, when, when you're surrounded by law uh, of this kind, and the whole question of justification. Now, in this particular case, I would say to myself, well, um, according to the law, I am not justified. Uh, but according to my own sort of law of diminishing returns, I am justified because the effort uh, you know, that it would take to keep the law is simply not worth it. Uh, and uh, you know, these are sort of two conflicting points of view. And sometimes um, this, this actually has some serious implications or can have serious implications, you see, because um, I mean, I pay tax in two countries. I pay in the United States and I pay in the United Kingdom. But they're completely different, the way they, they administer the, the, the tax system, or at least, well, not completely different, but there is a difference. And that is that if the sum, that, in the United Kingdom, if the sum that you owe the government is trivial, they forget it. You know, they just say, don't worry about it. 
the cost of administering it is greater than the revenue which you're going to get. This concept does not seem to exist in the United States. Um, I mean, I got charged last year for $11 by the state of Alabama. The cost of doing that must have been enormous, certainly more than $11. You know, you would think somebody in the tax office in Montgomery could have said, it is not worth pursuing this and just, you know, written it off. But oh no, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I ended up having to pay the $11. I mean, well, yes, I did mind, but I'm, I, I didn't mind parting with $11. I minded the, that the state was actually, you know, uh, losing money by, by trying to claim this from me. I thought this was, this was absurd, uh, and, and why do they do this? But, of course, you can land yourself in panic uh, mode because one year I got a refund from the IRS for $2.73. Yeah. And, I mean, how much it must have cost them to send me that, I don't know. But anyhow, uh, you know, $2.73. The check came from Memphis, but the notification came from Austin, Texas, or the other way around, I can't remember. But two different places anyway. But the check was for $2.74 instead of $2, you know, the refund was $2.73, but the check was for $2.74. And I nearly had a heart attack because I thought, I'm going to go to jail for one cent. <laughs> you know, and like, what is going on here? And I just knew that there was no point ringing up the IRS and saying you made a mistake for one cent. <laughs> you know, because the IRS doesn't make mistakes, does it, ever. So, uh, you know, forget that. And I thought, what on earth has happened? And then I discovered, I read the little line at the bottom, one cent interest. They were paying me interest on, on the money that they had kept that they had held back, you see, yes. So just to show that they were being super honest, you know. And I, I just breathed such a sigh of relief. I thought, oh, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to go to jail for one cent. Um, but, uh, but, the, but the fact that I reacted like that showed, you see, that I realized that these people were not merciful. Or not really. <laughs> um, but this whole question of justification, you see, once you get into, uh, into law and justification by, by the law, I'm not saying that it's not possible to do this, but it gets very complicated and of course there are different interpretations and in the end you don't really know who's right. You see, when you, 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 you get this kind of thing. Uh, there's always some uh, way, I mean, if uh, we all know this, you know that if, if, if the government wants to get you on something, especially tax, they will. You know, they'll find something. Uh, they have armies of people who, who, are, who are there for that purpose. And, uh, or the old saying, you know, don't fight City Hall, uh, because the minute you take on that sort of thing, 
you, you know, uh, even if you're right and they're wrong, uh, they've got the, the power and the lawyers and everybody else to prove that somehow or other you're going to be wrong. I mean, you're always going to be wrong um, in the end, uh, you know, because of the way they, they function. This, of course, is our dilemma when we stand in the presence of God because if we go by justification by the law, justification by works, however hard we try and however right we think we are, or indeed may even be within our own context, we are still going to be wrong. And we are wrong not because God is inefficient and uh, you know, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing and there's always a sort of, uh, you know, small print item somewhere that we haven't read. It's not this. We are wrong because God is so perfect, so right, so uh, holy and good and just um, in a dimension uh, which is inaccessible to us uh, that there is no way we can ever get there. You know that we can we can ever ever penetrate to this. I mean, uh, we are always going to fall short of his uh, standards, of his demands. Therefore, justification by works, uh, or justification by effort, justification by our own um, uh, standards, is going to fail from the start. You see, this is this is a useless and hopeless task. The law, the giving of the law, as Paul uh, points out in this way, just makes it worse. Uh, Paul says before the law came, you know, I mean, he sinned, of course, but he wasn't conscious of it. When the law came, as he puts it, sin sprang to life and I died. Why? Because I suddenly realized what I was doing was wrong. I mean, you might have been doing something wrong for a long time, but then you suddenly realize it. Um, and, and this can happen. Uh, you, you know, I mean, people do uh, sin in ignorance. I mean, you, you, know, you, you, you break laws that you don't know exist, uh, and then somebody points it out, and, and then you get a conscience about it. You feel guilty, um, you know, uh, uh, about this. So being told what the law is actually makes your situation worse uh, than it might otherwise be. And even if you try to put it right, um, you know, you have, a, you have an additional burden uh, on you uh, which wouldn't have been there otherwise. You see, this is the point that I'm trying to make. Now, in spiritual terms, this is why the law can do nothing but condemn us. Its very holiness is a condemnation because it merely points out how wrong we are. You see, it, it just shows uh, uh, that uh, there is a, a, there is a standard uh, and B, it is hopelessly uh, high above anything that we are ever capable of, uh, of, of attaining. And so, we are faced with the fact that if we are ever going to be justified in the sight of God, the only way this could ever happen 
is by God making it possible. And how is God going to make it possible? Is God a Pharisee who will make it possible to keep the law by softening the law, uh, by, uh, by saying that it doesn't really mean what it says, uh, you know, uh, by creating all kinds of exceptions, uh, loopholes that you can kind of sneak through uh, one way or another if you know what to do. Well, that, of course, is impossible for God because God is, is absolute. God is perfect. Uh, God hasn't got room to be flexible in this way uh, because if he is, then he ceases to be God. The standard disappears. You know, he can't do that. So his standards are there not because he wants to be cruel or unrealistic, uh, but because this reflects his being, his nature. This is what we, you know, uh, what we have to uh, uh, fit in with because of who he is and because of what he is. We can't do it. He can't lower his standards. So the only way this can ever be done is by him doing it for us. And of course, this is what he has done in Christ. But then the question comes, is all right, he has done it in Christ, but how does this translate into me and my experience? How do I benefit from this? You see, how does the righteousness of God, the goodness of God, the justice of God enter into my life? And what difference does it make? The Bible talks a great deal about the righteousness of God. Christ being the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God coming into our lives. What does this mean? Does this mean God's character that somehow we acquire? Or is it God's provision for us that we cannot obtain in the objective sense? I mean, I, there's no way that I can become a good person in myself. You know, the righteousness of God is not a kind of medicine that I can take in order to become good. But rather a provision which God has made for me so that even though I am not righteous in myself and never can be, I can be 
admitted into his presence. Because that provision, that righteousness, is applied to my life. And so I am counted righteous before God, even though I am not righteous in myself. Now obviously, that is what happens one way or another. These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one-week or semester-length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.